welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. My name's Chris. And I'm Gary. And this month for Original Versus Remake, we are discussing two not very well-known films. From the decider of The Initiation of Sarah, yeah. Chris Barker. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do, Sometimes I do go for a similar style of film. Intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know. Um, but these these were my choices. It's Satan's School for Girls. Yeah. And it's two TV movies, mm-hmm. uh, both produced by Aaron Spelling. One in the early 70s and then the remake in the year 2000. Niche content, yeah. I suppose. Well, so niche to the point that our poll results... Yes. Um, it's 100% for the original, but that's only because... No one's fucking seen this film. And also, uh, it was only two votes. Two votes. So thank you to those two guys who voted. 100% for the original with two votes. Unfair, I think. More people should be watching these. (laughs) I'm not sure about that. I mean, I gave both the same rating, so this could be interesting. I did. Interesting. Two. Um, Spoiler alert, but yeah. Um, I... Wait, did you say two? You gave them both a two? No, me too. Oh, I was going to say, well, that's, I did that'd two. be harsh. I did two. Um, yeah, um, I would go through my thought process for choosing this as an original versus remake, but essentially I just go on Letterboxd. I type in random words into lists. Usually, remakes, perhaps? Yeah, horror remakes. Um, it's usually the word camp. Yeah. And um, I find something that looks interesting and I go for it. Is it available? Where can we watch it? The original and then the remake. Went for it. Shannon Doherty's in it. You know, Kate Jackson. Well, do you know what? It weren't a terrible choice. I mean, we're probably not going to remember them this time next year. Absolutely but, not. You know. This is definitely one count. of... Two of the films, should I say, where in a year's time, Gary's going to mention it in some... Yeah. Way and I'm like, what's that? I only, I only remember the initiation of Sarah because these films reminded me of both the original and remake of Initiation of Sarah, and also the camp mind telekinesis flip thing in the remake. Well, you know who was in the remake? Who? Oh, Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly. I mean, Morgan Fairchild didn't slay that much in the original (laughs) to be forgotten. And again, I liked both of those films. Um, Yeah, but yeah. They're very much TV movies, and I've found now that TV movies can be quite hit or miss. Well, I mean... These are American TV... and We've discussed it on the podcast, so I'll just discuss it briefly now. <laughs> TV movies, as they exist in America, don't exist here, really. Not really, no. So it's kind of weird that these kind of films that are horror films, but then also, like... Family entertainment, but not family entertainment. There's there's more to be said on that. Let's yeah. um let's start off with Satan's School for Girls, nineteen seventy three. Directed by David Lowell Rich, uh, who made the Concord Airport seventy nine, the defection of Simas Kudu Kudurka, uh that man Bolt, Infidelity. That man Bolt Convicted. Episodes of The Twilight Zone, Mission Impossible, Wagon Train, and more. 
Yeah, uh, Infidelity was his last film. Mm-hmm. Um, starring Kirsty Alley. And uh, if I remember correctly, it has a very weird um, synopsis. So it's got Kirsty Alley in and Robert England from 1987. Mm-hmm. I guess a TV movie again. Yeah. A man comes home to see his wife window washing and he is surprised to find out that she is a Latin scholar. She has been dropping hints that she has been cheating with another Latin scholar. (laughs) Now he must become fluent in Latin to win her back. Okay. And I think that Kirstie Alley's having an affair with Robert England, which makes this a must-watch, in my opinion. Well, I mean, we don't like Kirstie Alley, um, but... <laughs> we like Robert England. We do like Robert England. Um, yeah, I mean that sounds like a David Lynch rom com. Weird. Yeah. Like why the like? Why is he surprised that his wife's a Latin <laughs> scholar? How long have they been married for? Um, yeah, uh, one for future. This was uh, Saint School for Girls, written by Arthur A. Ross, who un- unbelievably wrote. Creature from the Black Lagoon. One of the greatest films uh, of all time. One of my favourite horror films. And, I mean, I, actually, no, I'm not surprised. That's camp as well. That's It's not too far removed from this. Just oh, higher quality. Camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also wrote The Creature Walks Amongst Us, um, The Great Race, Brubaker, The Desperate Miles, World of Comedy, The 30-Foot Bride of Candy Rock, and more. Okay, all sound interesting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, unknown budget, and it was made for TV. First aired as ABC's Movie of the Week. Yeah. ABC's Movie of the Week. ABC's Movie of the Week. I mean, yeah, I can't quite imagine BBC One's Movie of the Week. <laughs> this is, this is, a, it's, yeah, you wouldn't get this kind of thing on UK TV. No. No. I'm assuming here it would have been a straight to video. Yes. Well, in 1973. It probably, it probably just wouldn't have aired here. It just wouldn't have been a thing no. until later on. It may have cropped up on VHS. Uh, movie of the Week was narrated by uh, Dustin Hoffman. Okay. And some of the films included are Seven in Darkness, The Over the Hill Gang. Uh, the Monk, The Young Lawyers, The Spy Killer, Daughter of the Mind, The Ballad of Andy Crocker, Foreign Exchange, Along Came a Spider, Carter's Army, Mr. Jericho. Never heard of him. The Old Man Who Cried Wolf. No. The Over the Hill Gang rides again. It's given the same energy as... Um, oh, what was that film? We hated it, but it had a great cast. Sally Field was in it. Um, Home for the Holidays. Home for the Holidays. Yeah. 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 Maybe it just doesn't translate. Made for t- ABC, baby. <laughs> Made for TV movie for Well, I mean, if we go on the uh, IMDb list for ABC Movie of the Week, and if we uh, can sort by popularity... Okay. Um... Can you? Then we will find out what is the the most popular 
of them all. Okay. Uh, and it turns out you can do that. And okay. I can tell you the most popular ABC movie of the week is... Drum roll, please. None other than Steven Spielberg's Duel. Ah. Oh. What the fuck? That was a TV movie. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. The, what was second most popular? The Legend of Lizzie Borden. Ooh. So were they all like horror? Trilogy of Terror was, was one of these. Oh, Karen Black. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. That got a remake. Oh, so they're all... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it did. Don't be afraid of the dark. Oh, girl, most likely to. I love girl, most Wonder likely Woman. to. Oh, okay, maybe it does translate. I mean, Duel is very popular. Yeah. Killdozer, um, which I think should be a future podcast film. Six Million Dollar Man. I mean, I knew about that when I was younger. Which Six Million Dollar Man? Well, that was a TV you know, series, wasn't it? It must have been made into a TV series. But yeah. Oh, okay. Very, very interesting. Wow. I mean, it, I was going to say, uh, Home for the Holidays, by the way. Oh, there you go. Um, I was going to say, oh, it's uh, a marathon I'd never want to do, but actually, I don't know so much. Maybe I need to give I, it a go. I want to give it a go. These. I've always wanted to see Duel, so. And they all, do they all, I mean, I know, actually, Girl Most Likely to is comedy. And they've all got. A comedy about murder. I mean, <laughs> some of the, um, some of the ratings as well aren't terrible. There's a few wow. sevens, few in the sevens on there. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Maybe if, misunderstood. If you're American and you listen to this, we've just completely wasted your time because you <laughs> yeah, already know all of that. But if you're British, then you're probably just as surprised as we are. <laughs> Biggest yeah. gasp, dual being a TV movie. There we go. Well, I knew it was a TV movie. I didn't know it was ABC Film News of the Week. Bloody hell. So let's get to our first feature presentation, ABC's Movie of the Week. This Academy has its own tradition. It has been here in this very place. For over 300 years. Some rodents break under the pressure. Sooner others later, but without exception. All are driven to various forms of psychotic behavior. Oh, come on, Roberta. You can't believe they all committed suicide. Three girls from the same school? No, they were murdered. Or at least driven to do what they did. Yes, so we start with a mysterious person seemingly chasing young student Martha Sayers. Um, she drives to her sister's Lakeside house in Los Angeles. Um, get away from whatever this entity is that's following her. She goes to a phone booth in distress. <laughs> she calls her sister on the phone booth and tries to light a cigarette. She just fucking lights a cigarette. She's trying to get chased. <laughs> I'm not being funny. As a reformed smoker myself, who used to enjoy a cigarette back in the day, I probably would have lit up if I was in distress. You, you've had a break and, and had a sick <laughs> yeah. while she would be a chase. She was calling her sister. It's still a break. She's got enough time to light a cig. That's a break. She seems to be followed in her car, but drives off in horror after seeing a very disheveled looking Oliver Hardy... <laughs> style man <laughs> stare at her on foot who do you think she looked like who do you think she looked like yeah. oh i don't know does she not distinctly remind you of anyone 
no. Uh, well, Ramona, because the eyes are the popping. eyes were popping. The eyes, the were, eyes popping. were popping. I, I've got up my notes. Um, no, she actually reminded me a lot of Sherry Moon Zombie. Okay. But Halloween Sherry Moon Zombie. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but are you not confused by how she's obviously being chased in her car, but then gets scared when a man on foot appears from nowhere? Like, no, of course. Like, film... How fast is this man following her? Yeah, this film makes no sense. <laughs> Surely she's being chased in a car. Um... She's scared by some off-screen entity at her sister's house. She's not just scared. She does one of the most dramatic <laughs> just... and camp screams I've ever seen. You say that. The eyes were <laughs> The eyes were popping. And I would have agreed with you if I hadn't watched the rest of the uh, well, film. Yeah, I suppose. Because every scream is exactly <laughs> the same. Um, she screams and then the film cuts away. The same day, the police and Martha's sister Elizabeth played by Pamela Franklin, uh, they find her hanging in the living room. When she She's got gets... a very posh house, <laughs> she by has. the way. Like, really nice view of some, like, lake or a river. But it's, like, right on the river. Mm. I don't know what she does for a living, Elizabeth, because she's got a really nice house. See, when um, when Elizabeth gets there, the cop at the door's like, It's your sister! She's gone crazy in there! She screamed and locked the door! <laughs> The police rule her death as an unmotivated suicide, but as Elizabeth refuses to believe this and investigates further. <laughs> so we... I'm just loving up my note I have here. Do you have anything down about this scene? I have a few bits. Like the fact that she lists off a bunch of better times when she should have killed herself. She does. She did she just reels off a list of more suitable <laughs> times for her sister to commit suicide. She kinda committed suicide now. Because this happened, and this happened, and she didn't kill herself then. So why would she kill herself now? Like, I'm not sure how that works. How is that the first thing you're thinking of? Exactly. I'm not sure how that works. Um, We actually see Martha hanging from the ceiling, (laughs) by the way. Kind of. Kind of. Now, don't don't tell anyone. Don't shock us in. But we did watch this on a YouTube video. Yeah. I mean, how else? I know. (laughs) I know. But... Her body was blurred in the YouTube video. So obviously, and it was, trust and believe, that video was monetized Because uh, yeah. there was a fucking advert every fucking ten minutes. Someone is making a lot of money so, this film. When you say that, I don't think it's got that many views. Uh, clearly, only two people voted. Um, but yeah, it was blurred out. But still, I was a bit shocked. I was like, oh. Because knowing it was a TV movie, uh-huh. I was like, what, you see her hanging? Um, yeah, so clearly blurred out so it doesn't get reported. The policeman says to Elizabeth, oh, you do admit that she was a melancholy girl. <laughs> Which, by the way, melancholy girl is a great name for a band. <laughs> like, great for a song. Se- uh, steal it, Gary. <laughs> steal it. I expect melancholy girl to be on your first album. Um... The policeman also says, I'm sorry, the case is closed. And Elizabeth, because she's a bit of a queen, says, not for me it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, Pamela Franklin, um, I'm not sure about the hair. I'm not a huge fan of the hair. Are you not? It's it's different to everyone else's, but it is like a short... It's not really a bob. It's very close to her head. I'm just not sure if it suits her. I don't know. She's giving me girl boss energy. House and boots. She's giving um, uh, Rizzo. 
From Greece, yeah. hair-wise, not mm-hmm. the rest, but hair-wise. Yeah, Pamela Franklin, she was the niece in The Innocents mm-hmm. uh, when she was quite young, and she played one of the main schoolgirls in The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. Oh. So, Elizabeth decides to visit the exclusive academy that Martha attended. And I'm not making this up. The Salem Academy for Women. <laughs> if, if the film weren't called Satan's School for Girls, this would still be a dead giveaway. Uh, despite warnings from Martha's roommate, Lucy Dembrow. Uh, Lucy isn't very good at acting unsuspicious. No. Uh, which is exemplified by the camp zoom-in on Elizabeth's face after <laughs> after Lucy turns to sip some tea. <laughs> like Elizabeth's like, oh, I don't know what's up with this bitch. Um, also, of course, it's called the Salem Academy for Women. Why is she surprised something fishy is going on? <laughs> Under the assumed name of Elizabeth Morgan. <laughs> maybe she should have changed her first name as well. But maybe to stop any confusion. I'm, I'm sure if uh, I went undercover, if someone kept calling me Clive, I'd get a little confused. I don't know why she didn't just call herself Karen Oxford. I mean, Karen Oxford. <laughs> I wonder if any other film uh, has got that idea. Um, she enrolls at the college where she is welcomed by her classmates. Uh, classmates. Roberta Lockhart, played by Kate Jackson, Debbie Jones, played by Jamie Smith Jackson, and Jodie Keller, played by Cheryl Ladd. Now, uh, Kate Jackson and Cheryl Ladd both went on to star in Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Which was an Aaron Spelling production. So Aaron Spelling, really prolific TV producer, father of Tory Spelling. Mm-hmm. And he produced 90210, he produced Charmed. He produced um, Charlie's Angels, The Mod Squad. I think he did Dynasty, if I remember correctly. But, you know, very prolific yeah. in TV. Very much so. And thanks to his involvement and Kate Jackson and Cheryl Ladd, the film has the amazing tagline, Before they were angels, <laughs> Cheryl Ladd and Kate Jackson attended Satan's School for Girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also like the other tagline. Murder or suicide. Done. <laughs> That's it. Murder or suicide. Uh, the tea is absolutely spilt when it they is. all admit that they're hot for the fine arts teacher. And uh, they all drink from a huge wine glass. And they all refer to uh, the headmistress as Dragon Lady. <laughs> and if you take a shot every time you hear Dragon Lady, fucking hell, you will, not be, uh, you will not be standing up. Well, speaking of the dragon lady herself, Elizabeth meets the feared headmistress, Mrs. Jessica Williams, played by Joe Van Fleet, who talks a lot about tradition and has a very suspicious phone call after Elizabeth leaves. <laughs> um, that hair is styled to within an inch of its life. Rita from Coronation Street. Rita from Coronation Street. Not a single hair is out of place. And uh, Joe Van Fleet won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for East of Eden. And she thought she was getting another one with this. She, oh, oh, she's just trying for it. She wants that Emmy. Um, Elizabeth becomes intrigued with a painting of Martha in a dungeon-like room. This <laughs> paint's awful, by the way. Uh, Debbie, who painted it, is terrified of the painting and claims she in- just invented the background. Um, this is when we're introduced to handsome fine arts teacher, Dr. Joseph Clambert, uh, putting the fine in fine arts. Also incredibly um, rude to Debbie. Um, oh, no, wait. No, that's, De- no, that's the other that's one. That's Delacroix. Yeah. 
So Debbie has an outburst after class. <laughs> High camp. It is. It's very camp. But Anna, that was after the. Oh, this. Oh, okay. So we've got two lessons. Okay, because yeah. so, there's only two lessons that ever take place: uh-huh. fine arts or psychology. So fine arts is the handsome Dr. Joseph Clambert, and then we have the lesson with uh, Professor Delacroix in psychology. So Professor Delacroix, he's fucking obsessed with mice. Yeah. And he's made this um, unbeatable maze for the mice in some way to send them insane. And he's asking questions and he asks Debbie, you know, whatever, whatever the question was. And she really struggles to answer. And so he reads her to absolute yeah. filth, which is probably why she had the outburst afterwards. When he says, uh, <laughs> of course you can't. I'd be better off asking the rodents. <laughs> <laughs> and then she walks out, she's like, and if one mice does this, if one mice does that, <laughs> <laughs> she, she just the recreates the possession. Uh, <laughs> fucking, what was, what was, was she in? Who? The the uh, woman in possession during a big scene. Oh, Isabella Gianni. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly what she's recreating here. <laughs> she she's gone in a time machine. No she's gone forward. She's watched that performance like, okay, I'm bringing this to the 70s. <laughs> you have some low standards, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it was nowhere close to that expert breakdown from Isabella <laughs> Gianni. Um... Elizabeth and Roberta air their concerns about Debbie's meltdown at drinks with class. No, what I I don't know. We I went to university and I never had drinks with any of my lecturers, but apparently they're doing a little more than just having drinks. Mm. Uh, well, they want to anyway. Yeah, they want to do a little more than just having drinks. So they air their concerns about Debbie's meltdown whilst they're having drinks around Clambert's place, and uh, Mrs. Williams is worried about the influence of the new girl. Um, at the soiree, it's revealed that Lucy has committed suicide. Um, now, if you forgot who Lucy was, so did I at this point. Mm-hmm. I got very confused. But Lucy is Martha's friend that warned Elizabeth away yeah. from the college. <laughs> Just in case anyone forgot, because she only got one fucking scene. I'm like, who's Lucy? <laughs> uh, Debbie says, that's two of us. Or something. That- that there wasn't any uh, subtitles on. It says no. that that's two of us. Yeah. And that evening, with neither being able to sleep during a storm, Elizabeth questions Debbie about what she meant. And I'm not even sure if Debbie knows, because poor Cheryl Ladd, the struggle is real. Yeah. The struggle I'm not I I'm not too familiar with Cheryl Ladd. But this isn't a good performance. No. <laughs> it's not great. No, but I mean, at least you can forgive her a bit because it wasn't Cheryl Ladd. It was Jamie Smith Jackson. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think Cheryl Ladd was Lucy. Oh, um, oh okay. Jamie Smith Jackson is dead. Oh, Cheryl Ladd was Lucy. No, is Cheryl Ladd dead? Yeah. Is she Lucy? Yeah, she's not in it much. Oh. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. I, I, can I just apologise to Cheryl Ladd? Is she still alive? I don't know. But um, if you are, Cheryl... I, <laughs> I thoroughly apologise for slandering Sorry, your yes. good name. Um, it wasn't you. It was... Yeah, I do apologise. 
Wow, I mean, fucking fuck Jamie Smith Jackson's drag. Well, I thought Jamie Smith Jackson died way earlier on. I can't remember her name. Insulting everyone. Um, after some tedious in- tedious investigation. Oh my god, the investigating. We see every second of this investigation. It's the film itself is an hour and thirteen minutes. <laughs> And when I say tedious invest, I fucking mean tedious investigation. There is no rhyme or reason for us to have her creeping around this fucking <laughs> campus so slowly. Um, it's pretty much pitch black yeah. as well. So I, I, I don't. Mean, I was like, I know I'm meant to be making notes, but wake me up when <laughs> this is over. Um, she ends up finding an identical setting to Debbie's painting of Martha in the cellar when she is accosted by a man with a sharp weapon and uh, she flees. Now, this is Delacroix, isn't it? I it, really see his hand. Heart. No, no, but then we see him afterwards. No, we don't. I swear we do. No, it cuts to an ad break. <laughs> so, okay. Well, it turns out it is Delacroix anyway, but we do only see his hand to begin with. Uh, Elizabeth confronts Debbie and uh, she tells her that she has nothing to do about... She has nothing to do about it and hysterically throws her out of her room. My English was terrible in those notes. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do about it. (laughs) She gets nothing to do with it and then hysterically throws her out of the room. Roberta turns up and very flippantly tells her about eight women who were hanged in some sort of cellar (laughs) during the Salem witch trials. But it's probably not the cellar of the college. Salem College for women. Okay. Delacroix lectures on the mice again, and this time very passionately about driving the mice to insanity and murder. (laughs) Come on, red herring. And... uh... They all like kind of start making fun of him and laughing because he's really getting into it. And he says, I wonder if Debbie would take this experiment so lightly. <laughs> because of this, Elizabeth suspects that, and the rest of us suspect that Professor Delacroix is responsible considering his eccentric and mildly sadistic behaviour. <laughs> she airs her suspicions to Roberta and they agree to go to the cellar that evening. Um, <laughs> Do you care to... Uh... Yes. Give a little Elizabeth says, exchange. Elizabeth says, but what if I'm wrong? To which Roberta says, that's not what scares me. What if you're right? <laughs> <laughs> that evening, Debbie sneaks out of the college and runs away into the night, giggling for some reason. Again, this is so slow. So much of this film is women very slowly creeping around mm-hmm. and very dark campus yeah and we're barely able to see uh elizabeth returns to the cellar with roberta and they locate a hidden room in the, the hidden oh no so a hidden room next to the cellar mm-hmm. in which they find debbie's dead body and that reaction shot from pamela franklin is high Camp. She looks like she's just smart about fart. <laughs> Roberta, she looks like she's trying not to laugh. Okay, Roberta, <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert, she's in on it, Roberta. Okay, <laughs> but could, did you have to make it so obvious? <laughs> it's like Kate Jackson could not be asked. I mean, I assumed that was just her bad acting, but no, she was genuinely laughing because she <laughs> fucking did it. <laughs> yeah. 
I I was I had to go back on my notes because I was reading Kate Jackson to absolute film. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is she, why is she acting so bad? She's just making it obvious. <laughs> but that reaction shot, I mean, even better than Martha's at the beginning. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the girls tell Mrs. Williams about Debbie's death and she pretends to call the sheriff. <laughs> Got every fucker's in on it, didn't they? Uh, they tell her that Debbie looked to have committed suicide. Um, but I'm not sure how apparent that no. was from what we saw. It just it just looked like she was slumped in the corner. <laughs> um, so I don't know how they know. Um, also, they wake Mrs. Williams up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And that hair, still, she's a perfectionist. One hundred percent intact. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. She's got to make sure it looks great all the time. Absolutely. Um, I'm assuming that she has it by her bed and puts it on. <laughs> it's, oh, I don't think it's a wig. Definitely a wig. <laughs> Definitely a wig. One of my favorite uh... wigs of all time. No, <laughs> yeah, it is actually. Uh, one of my favorite Dolly Parton quotes and I'm paraphrasing is when somebody asked her about how long it takes to do her hair and she says <laughs> she wouldn't know because she's not there when it happened <laughs> uh, Elizabeth and Roberta find the files for the dead girls <laughs> in Mrs. Williams filing cabinet that she apparently keeps in her front room <laughs> like she's not even in an office uh-huh. Um, this includes Debbie, who literally just died. So they're mm. very suspicious now. Elizabeth deduces that all the dead girl's parents are also dead. So that's a link between them. Um, Roberta says, so are mine. But you don't see me killing myself over it. I don't <laughs> know what this film has with people killing themselves over dead parents. But it's brought up a few times. Um, yeah, again, Roberta is very flippant when it comes to suicide. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth bursts into Delacroix's office, finding him in a deranged state with a gun in his hand and all the mice (laughs) dead. (laughs) They were slaughtered! (laughs) Um, I put in my notes, who ordered the ham? (laughs) Delacroix is hamming it up. Um... He fears that something supernatural is stalking him and he jumps through the window. After running for some time, he ends up mired in a swamp where he is beaten with sticks by several students, <laughs> including Jody. Now I say beaten. It's more like poked with large pieces of bamboo <laughs> before the film yeah. cuts away. <laughs> but this is... <laughs> he makes a shit up. <laughs> He's stuck in the water and all these, you know, and... Trust and believe, of course, you know, it's a film. So every single woman at this college looks like they've stepped off a runway. The beautiful flowing locks, gorgeous faces, gorgeous young women with these large bamboo sticks poking at this man in a pond. Uh, Elizabeth and Roberta talk about how Clampett helped Roberta through so much after her parents died. And Elizabeth reveals to Roberta that she is, in fact, Martha's sister. Um, I did my... Yeah. At least try to look shocked, Kate Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the hunky Dr. Clamper himself is revealed to be the murderer. And Mrs. Williams knew all along. He tells her to evacuate the school. Now, 
from this moment on, the film, it doesn't quite kick into high gear, but <laughs> Joe Van Fleet does. <laughs> and that's just as good. And and what makes her go like that? Um, well, she has like she goes insane. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, but what what did he do to make her go like that? What? Give her a nice big smile. <laughs> His mind control in this film is literally just him smiling at people, and then they go insane. <laughs> Oh, is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, no, he gave her a big grin and then she went insane. Oh, I thought she was just... I thought it was just... I actually <laughs> thought it was a little condescending. Um, Yeah, she's crying and acting like... It's like she reverted back to childhood. But then Clampett kind of touches her as well. So I wasn't quite sure if they'd been shagging all along. If they were, like, in on it together. and they were... Get on her. Get on, yeah. What, the handsome... Uh, Dr. Clampett. Elizabeth and Roberta are unaware of the evacuation and they discover the body of Delacroix, who has been brutally murdered with large bamboo. <laughs> Not that brutal. Uh, Elizabeth and Roberta turn to Williams for help, but she's gone quite insane. Um, Joe Van Fleet is acting her knee. We have an Oscar winner in mm-hmm. the house. That's true. Shelley Winters wasn't available, so they got Joe Van Fleet. Um, she is getting on Kate Jackson's nerves, though, and Roberta kind of knocks, like, pushes her out the way, but I swear she, like, slaps her breast. And she's <laughs> doing, like, smack. <laughs> Bit harsh. Uh, when they are unsuccessful in calling the police, Elizabeth and Roberta go to the cellar to find a gun. Instead, they find Clampert leading a satanic cult. His followers, including Jody, believe that he is Satan incarnate, and Roberta then reveals herself to be his loyal servant. Also, um, it's giving holding out for a hero music video. <laughs> Do you not think? Yes, it is. <laughs> They're all dressed in like large white robes. Uh, Roberta's best. Um, I'm still not quite sure if it is Kate Jackson's acting or not because she does say some call him Satan (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I know they're playing court members um, under Satan's spell but do they really need to be so dead behind the eyes (laughs) Um, Elizabeth is able to escape when she sets the school on fire and she takes Williams with her (laughs) <laughs> who's trying to water the plants. Who's trying to water the plants. So, oh, I forgot to water the plants today. You won't tell Miss Abigail, will you? <laughs> However, the other girls stay behind. The entire building is engulfed in flames. Uh, Clampert, who is actually supernatural, survives the fire and is shown outdoors, where he mysteriously disappears, leaving only a patch of charred grass where he stood. Um... William says, uh, we'll have to notify their families. And Elizabeth says, they didn't have any. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end. It is. It is. Um, Peaks and troughs. Yeah. Yeah. Some great moments. Yeah. But some fucking dull moments. Far too many dragged out dull scenes of yeah. walking around to, to make this anything more than just good. It's Yeah. It is good though. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's uh, an hour and 13, so it didn't take up too much of your time and it's just high camp. 
It is. It is. I, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It was um, a product of its time, which I, I quite liked, really, like the fashions and the hairstyles. And, you know, I, I do like my older aesthetics when mm -hmm. it comes to a lot of these things. I don't think it was cool. It's, will I remember it in a year's time? Unlikely. But, you know, for now, I was entertained for an hour yeah. and 13 minutes. And that brings us to the Disney Channel original movie, Satan's School for Girls 2000. Honestly, I, I mean, it wasn't actually released by Disney Channel. It was released by Paramount. Um, but this was given... Paramount? Yeah. Was it not ABC again? Or was ABC Paramount? Maybe. Okay. Um, I, it's something else with American TV I get confused Yeah, I don't know who owns who. Who owns who, even. Um, but, yeah. This was giving me Disney Channel original movie, teen movie, the whole time. <laughs> It's true. It's it's true. Um, yeah, it's giving me model behaviour. But I'm absolutely... <laughs> one I remember. I'm absolutely fine with that. Uh, this is directed by Christopher Leach, who made She Fought Alone, Teen Wolf 2, CSI, Beauty and the Beast, the Linda Hamilton series, Ooh, The House Sitter. It does. Uh, so Notorious, A Christmas Visitor, I've Been Waiting For You, <gasps> Crowned and Dangerous, and more. Which um, ones I've Been Waiting For You? We own it. The one with Anna Faris. The post-screen one. It could be. The mm. uh, Lover's Lane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. That's getting an hour release soon. Yeah. Uh, written by Jennifer Mizell. Oh, written did, by a woman. Yeah. Double Wedding, The March Sisters at Christmas, The Assault, Lost Boy, Christmas Joy, and more. And Michael Hitchcock, who uh writer of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Glee, Mad TV, The Ultimate Christmas Present... Problem Child Free, Junior in Love, Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, Ooh. and more. And he was also an actor in Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, Super 8, Bridesmaids, Wild Hogs, Desperate Housewives, and more. Nice. Um, That's a career. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> It's good, it's good, but I mean, come on, Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3... You think this is worse than Sleepaway Camp 3? Maybe. Yeah, probably. No, actually, I don't know. Maybe on a path. Maybe, Maybe path. yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, Sleepaway Camp 2, I think, is a um, classic. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, really underrated. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, again, budget unknown, and it was made for TV. So let's get to our second feature presentation. Monday to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. It's just another suicide to them. She goes back to school. We're happy you're here. What she discovers there. She's the one. Is more terrifying than anything she ever imagined. They're tied to the dark side. Shannon Doherty, Kate Jackson, Satan's School for Girls. ABC Monday, 8, 7 Central. Jenny, we're introduced to immediately. Um, she's got... Classic early 2000s hairstyle, late 90s. It's not quite single white female, but it's not far removed. She's giving the lead singer of Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah. Which is a very old reference <laughs> for anyone listening. If, if you get that reference, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> Jenny runs out of school crying uh, and her goth friend, Lisa, follows her. Lisa looks like straight out of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. She does. She does. Do you know what she what she looks like? Excuse me. Do you know who she looks like? Yeah. A bit Alanis Morissette. Yes. At times, point. certain angles. 
Uh, she's telling her it's all in her mind. Jenny gets in a taxi and has to drive her to take her to the airport. She travels to Seattle and heads to her sister Beth's house. A raven flies to the house. Its eyes start glowing red. It, disappo- it disappears and transforms into a ghost that flies towards Jenny as the camera cuts away. Big CGI ghost. Yes. Um, yeah, so we get the supernatural element straight away with this one, don't yeah. we? Um, she does... I thought she was on the phone. But we do get a... Who is this? Kind of scream style, who is this? She was on the phone. I feel like oh, she, she was actually? trying She was trying to call her sister, but then the, the ghost hijacked the phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to give credit, though. That's the only moment where I thought, this is post-scream. Um, it wasn't very meta. I mean, I, I mean, in in a sense, it just the way she said, "Who is this on the phone?" Yeah, I mean, we all associate that with scream. Um, but I didn't think it was trying to be meta. No, Apart I feel like it was from trying Kate to Jackson being in it. But, yeah, you know. I feel like it was trying to be the craft more than anything else. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Beth arrives home and finds Jenny's corpse surrounded by police, and a police officer tells her it's a suicide. So she has a flashback to child Beth promising child Jenny that she'll never leave her um, while she's at a graveyard. And how do we know it's a flashback? It's in black and white. It's with a really shitty filter that yeah. looked like it was glitching out. Good. Uh, Melanie, <laughs> Jenny's friend from college, uh, introduces herself to Beth and tells her she didn't know her much, um, but she seemed very happy. Like, then why are you at a funeral? I know. She then tells Beth... <laughs> like, why are you at a funeral? You barely knew her. <laughs> she then tells Beth not to tell anyone from the college she was there. And she fucking struts away. One of the funniest, most camp walks I've ever seen. Okay. I think you're giving her maybe a little too much <laughs> just to say. Um, She walks away like she's desperate for a shit. What she's being... walking like Ramona on, on the <laughs> runway. What being chased by a raven. <laughs> 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 she's not strutting. She's touching cloth. I think she she thinks she's strutting. <laughs> she, I think she thinks she's power walking. The, the, yeah, the raven appears and chases her to a car, and we get a zoom in on her face to indicate that she's about to be killed. High camp. And then we immediately s- cut to uh, Beth, who's like, first Jenny is suicide, and now Melanie dies of a heart attack. How many 20-year-olds do that? <laughs> Melanie she w- would have been saved if she didn't have the top down on her convertible car. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, do you think it's maybe a little disrespectful to go to a funeral with the top down on a convertible? <laughs> no. We don't... We Because of the weather here in the UK, we do not have convertibles here. I don't think I've ever seen a convertible, I've been in a convertible. out in the wild. I've been in one. Have you? Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, it was alright. Was it cold? I mean... Did you I, get rained on? I'm asthmatic. It kind of took my breath away a bit, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, Berlin. Uh, but do you not think pulling up to a funeral in a convertible yeah, with this top down, move. it seems a little disrespectful. <laughs> and, in fairness, if she'd had the top up, it would have saved her life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> From the heart attack. Right, okay. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Buff speaks to a guy called Ruben, who we, we later realise is her boyfriend. Um, wasn't very clear at this point. He gives her a fake ID with the name... Um, brace yourselves. Karen Oxford. <laughs> Karen Oxford. I mean, can you get more camp than that? She's going undercover at a college, and her name's Karen Oxford. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's going undercover... Uh, to find out what's going on, what's going down. Ruben doesn't think she should go, but she's not having it. So she dons her full Karen Oxford apparel. And it is the most early 2000s outfit you'll ever see. And she goes to college. The whole film is yeah. all proper early 2000s mm-hmm. fashion. Um, Shannon Doherty, 29. Yeah. Uh, of time. course, of course. Comes into a guy called Mark, and he's like, "Oh, uh, I went to school with a Susan Oxford. Are you related?" I was like, "No." He's like, "Of course not. She was nowhere near as cute as you." Oh, fucking nightmare of a chat flyer. Immediately, like, fuck off. So he's he works at the college, doesn't he? But he goes to the college across the road. Yeah. All the the men's college across the they road. They did not need to give him that much character <laughs> development. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he's seemingly a love interest, but like, he didn't need not. to be. He could have either been one or the other. He could have just gone to the one over the road, or he could just work there. It's fine. <laughs> or we just didn't have to have a man yeah. in this film that wasn't necessary. Beth has a meeting with the dean, played by Kate Jackson. Was that Kate Jackson? Yeah, she's improved a bit. Was it Laurie Metcalf? Because wow. trust and believe, she looked. Exactly like Laurie Metcalf. She did. And sounded like she put on a southern accent uh-huh. for the role too. Yeah, immediately she brings up about Jenny's suicide. Um the Dean tells her Jenny was one of the most troubled kids she's ever met. Now, it's something I forgot to mention when we were talking about the original, but it's very much the case here. Why the fuck are both of these women gone to this these colleges and immediately like, oh, um, so I'm here to uh, investigate what's going on. Like, okay. How is no one clicking on that they're a little suspicious? Well, they're not. They're not necessarily saying that's why they're there, but they are suspiciously nosy. Yeah, like immediately. (laughs) You'd be like, "Why are you asking so many questions?" Uh, Immediately in this one, she's that's the first thing she does. It is, yeah. Well, she said, "Oh, I wasn't sure about coming to this college, despite my credentials, because uh, I heard about suicide." Yeah, and immediately you'd be like, "Okay, that's suspicious." Thank you, Cardi B. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Beth... <laughs> is that what you're going yes. for? Okay. Beth goes to her room. That's suspicious. Beth goes to her room and meets her roommate Alison King. Karen Oxford and Alison King. Uh who feels her a... name's Alison King. It's Alison King, yeah. Alison King's the actress from Coronation Street. Oh, there we go. She plays what's her name? Car- Carla Connor. That's uh, she fills her in fact for you there, <laughs> listeners. She fills her in all the boring details about college, but she also meets Paige, uh, who is in the room to steal some of Alison's clothes. They go to the canteen. Paige points out where the lesbians table is and uh, starts to try and intimidate the goth kids. <laughs> we get a little brief moment of a mean girl style introduction. <laughs> like, that that's such and such. That's the lesbian table. <laughs> Um, yeah, Paige played by um, Taraji P. Henson. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Go on to big fame, you know, Empire, 
Um, Oscar nominated for the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, quite a big star. Yeah. you go got to make a start somewhere. Well, that's... Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, so she, she uh, intim- tries to intimidate the goth kids. And then she's like, see that girl sitting behind you? That's Lisa Bagley. But everyone calls her Sabrina the Teenage Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) As a Sabrina fan, I did mark out for that. I did enjoy that. I popped. Uh, Paige explains that Jenny killed herself after hanging out with Lisa and her friends. She goes into great detail about the suicide over lunch. She does. Yeah. A little inappropriate over uh, food. And Beth goes to her first party after uh, Professor Nick Delacroix's uh, class. Yes. And uh, really surprised me. They're playing the Rockefeller Skank by Fatboy Slim. Yeah. Followed by Swing Party People Swing by Underground featuring Big Daddy D. And I'm like, okay, where did you get the money from for this? Um, wasn't that... I mean, that would have been big at the time. Yeah, Fatboy Slim's... Wasn't it first... Song was it? I mean, way it blew up, so it I did. Mean... Um, most famously used in "She's All That." Oh. Yeah, and when you watch "She's All That," you'll know that particular scene mm-hmm. that everybody talks about. Uh, Courtney introduces herself, and Paige calls her out uh, for the lack of diversity in a sorority house. Yeah, it it's one of those things I hate in films. Uh, Paige mentions the racism and anti-Semitism within the sorority system. You hate that within films? No. <laughs> Which I can pretty much guarantee, and this is in my notes, this is how I wrote it uh, verbatim, I can pretty much guarantee this won't be dealt with by the end of the no, film. No, of course not. Of it course will not, not be mentioned again, just bleh, throw it out there, look, we mentioned it. I mean, it's progressive for 2000. To just mention it, yes. Progressive for 2000. But it, yeah. But, but that is what happens. Yeah. If you're going to throw it out there, deal with it. It would have been really interesting. Yeah. I would have appreciated that aspect dealt with further. If you're going to put it out there, deal with it, bit. I mean, when you find out as well later on who's involved with this, it kind of renders all this a little pointless. <laughs> massively. So some of this dialogue did not need to happen. It actually renders it massively pointless. That's very true. Um, Alison introduces Beth to Nick and it's revealed he's in a relationship with Alison. Beth breaks into Lisa's room randomly mm. and uh, she finds her there and kicks her out. But before she leaves, she tells her she recognizes her from somewhere. Ooh. It's Alanis Morissette. Um, something in Lisa's room irked me. What's that? Can you, can you think of what? I didn't take much notice of her room. The uh, unattended lit candle. Oh, of course. She's a goth, goth girl in the 2000s horror film. Still, you shouldn't be leaving candles unattended. Lisa breaks into Beth's room uh, while she's sleeping and cuts her hand, which immediately heals. And Alison tells Beth all about the old student union, an abandoned building where teens would go to party and have their initiations until a homeless guy exposed himself to them. Yeah. That's what she said. Uh, She also tries to find out if Beth would date Nick. Uh, She says she wouldn't because she assumed she was seeing him. And she has this thing where she keeps saying to her, like, oh, would you go out with him? Or oh, do you fancy him, do you? Would you, yeah, would you have a bit? Well, smash or pass? <laughs> she's played by, if I remember correctly, Julie Benz. Mm-hmm. And she was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh. So I 
if I had watched this in the year 2000, I would have been getting my life. Yeah. Um, with all these actresses that I loved. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I watched it in 2023. I mean, it was... 23 years later. It's pretty much a kid's film as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I... Yeah, I don't think there's anything in this that I hadn't already seen. Like, <laughs> wow. Wow, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Not in real life, dickhead. <laughs> Beth tells Alison that she had a nightmare that Lisa broke into a room and cut her hand. <laughs> she says, and I quote... Which is strange because I never dream anymore. Not since I was a kid. You've never dreamt since you were a kid. Okay, hon. <laughs> yeah, because she's got special powers, hasn't she? She stops herself from dreaming after her parents died. Yeah. At that point, I have written my notes. I didn't I didn't know that. And I also forgot that. Um, <laughs> I think she took Hypnosil, didn't she? Yeah. Alison suggests it might not have been a dream. Beth investigates the student union and Lisa and her girlfriends find her there. They ask her if she's a lesbian. Um, they do. Lisa says that she'd be happy to try anything once, but then tells her to stay away from her and her friends. The thing is with the, the, the goth girls is that the only thing that makes them goths is that they wear black. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, the the sort of face makeup and their hair's kind of styled the same mm-hmm. but they wear black and there's a couple of Herman Munster shoes on the go. Yeah. Um, I mean they're very much it's very much like I said Book of Shadows Blair Witch. Too. Oh yeah absolutely by way of the craft. Uh-huh. Yeah this is definitely Disney Channel goth flight. <laughs> Um, Mark rides his bike through the town and does some really cool bike jumps. Yeah, really cool. No reason why we had to see no. this. <laughs> he Wast- finds... Wasting my time. I'm claiming back my time. He finds That's Beth old uh, having a coffee whilst reading a witchcraft book. And he chats her up and invites her to a bar of his friends, to which she joins with Alison and Paige. Um, when she's introduced to his friends... I didn't get the names down. Do you know what? It's probably a good job I didn't because... I didn't come back again. No. Um, Hillary the librarian's one of them though, and uh, she starts offering to read people's palms, and she tells uh, everyone that her grandmother was a psychic. To one, one of the guys says, "Was she a gypsy?" And she says, "No, close though. She was a hairdresser." <laughs> Not sure what that means, but what okay. does that even mean? She reads Beth's palms and tells her every, she tells everyone about her backstory. She spills the tea. And uh, Beth's like, no, that's that's not me. I'm Kate Oxford. <laughs> you got it wrong. Karen Oxford. Karen Oxford. Karen Oxford. Um, Kate's her cousin. Uh, Mark and Beth have a gossip about Lisa. And uh, Lisa apparently said Jenny came on to her and actually tried forcing Jenny into going to a witchcraft class. And then Mark is like, uh, Lisa's like, oh, uh, he's like, I'll probably get you the the files for Lisa. And Beth's like, yeah, yeah, get me the files. And he he fucking does it. He does. He gets her the students' files. He does. I don't know why. I don't, because the reveal at the end (laughs) renders a lot of this completely pointless. (laughs) Shirtless men make out with uh, women wearing what look like blue curtains um, around a devil's tree. Make out? Were they making out? They're making out against the tree. Yeah. Oh no! Uh, this this devil's tree thing. 
There was actually one of these in Coventry. Fair. Like, next to where I used to live. <sighs> wow, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and apparently, like, if you run round it, like, five times, the, the devil comes out. No. <laughs> I ran round it five times, and instead I came out. Way. <laughs> then it's true. Well, there we go. Um, but yeah, there you go. Fun fact for you. Another bit of country knowledge for, for no one who asked. Um, Lisa shows up, and the uh, the women tell her to join them. A dog with red eyes shows up and kills Lisa. Where did they find a corpse? Okay, right outside Karen's <laughs> window. Now I was confused by this, and I don't, I, I don't know why, but I just assumed she wasn't on the ground floor. <laughs> so she opened the window, and the body's like right there. <laughs> it actually made me jump. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't think that she would be on the gr- in films. No one's ever on the ground floor. No, in these like. They're not, are they? No. No one's ever on the ground floor. It was re- actually genuinely shocked me that she was, like, her face right outside the window. Like, oh. Um, the dean... We watched too many films, clearly. <laughs> the Dean and Nick give uh, speeches about the recent deaths. Nick tells them all how he was grateful that other schools had suicides and not theirs. And that he's really upset now that suicides are happening at this one, this school. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, way <laughs> to put it, though. He's, he's grateful to the other schools for having people committing suicide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm alright with it happening over there. Just not here. Um, yeah, he was in, and it, it was bugging me, in an episode of Sex in the City. And he acts like it as well. He does. He does. Um, he was the fella who Carrie... Um, Gets burnt by by cigarette, and he turns out to be an alcoholic, and then he tries to give up drinking, but then becomes addicted to carry, and ends up drinking at the end after she dumps him and screaming at her naked in the street. Yeah, yeah, and he, he his acting style <laughs> did not change at all. He's um, got more clothes on. Apart from one scene, well. No, he keeps his clothes on. Oh, not the gym. The gym? The gym. The gym scene. When was this? When he's topless at the gym and he's talking to Karen and uh, Julie Benz is getting jealous at the window. Did I black out? What the fuck? I don't know. Oh. Anyway. It was some shirtless action, Gary. (laughs) Mark gives Beth uh, Lisa's files, as he promised. She gives him some exposition in exchange. She's like, okay, now let me tell you my backstory. Uh, everything Hillary said was true. I've been a psychic since I was a kid. Oh. <laughs> she tells him about how she had a dream about her parents dying in a car crash, had an argument with them, and then they went out and died in a very dramatic car crash. They did, which was um, footage taken from an episode of Melrose Place. <laughs> She also reveals that she dreamt about Lisa's death by the devil's tree. And uh, meanwhile, Alison confronts Nick about how he used to date Jenny. He denies it, but she accuses him of sleeping with her. And she hints that if he dumps her, she'll tell people about him and Jenny. So, how do you solve this? How? 
He tells her how much he loves her and they have slow motion made for TV sex on his desk. Oh, yeah. Her shirt gets ripped open. Yeah. Yeah. Beth and Mark visit the devil's tree. She's like, yep, that's my dream. And then they leave. And then they go back to his place where she just sits there reading Lisa's file. And then they... <laughs> and then she, they're trying out the guessing what the cards are game from the Evil Dead. Uh, because she did it when she was younger. Yeah, she says that she used to play a card guessing game with her sister back in the day. And then has a flashback, doesn't she? Yeah. And the flashback is her guessing the cards correctly and her sister getting very angry because she thinks she's cheating. <laughs> That's not quite we used to play this game. <laughs> it's like it was a one-off and she fucking started shouting at you because she mm. thought you were cheating. Well, this card game... <laughs> she's like reminiscing like it was a beautiful uh-huh. memory from her childhood. <laughs> Well, this card game really turns Mark on, oh. and they uh, have some made-for-TV under-the-cover sex. They do. They do a little... Uh, what's it? Touching it? nose. Touching nose, thing, kissing. Yeah. There's an American flag in the background for some... I, I don't know why. It doesn't feel very patriotic. No. But the, the, the flag's there for some reason. Um, Beth meets up with Alison, and she seems jealous of her and Mark. Mark gives Jenny's file to Beth. Uh, which she drops in front of the dean. This causes, for some reason, everyone to stare at her when she walks outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because everyone's in on it. Yeah. Apparently. Um, Beth reads Jenny's file out loud in the park. Like, for anyone to hear. She does. She's just in the park reading it. <laughs> I'm assuming it's for our benefit, but it yeah. doesn't quite work in the context. Uh, and then she goes for another dick appointment with Mark, who tells her that his last girlfriend upset him because she never opened up enough. So Beth opens up. <laughs> Beth opens up by telling him it feels good to be there with him. I'm not sure that's how it works. Well, they don't actually do that. They don't have sex the second time because she's obviously she's. Well, they have, but we just don't see it. No, I, I. No, they're in bed naked together. Yeah. But she says, is, it, is that okay? And then they just spoon. What? Yeah. Because Were she's we watching ob- different films? She's obviously going through emotions at the time. And she doesn't feel like it. Slash, she already got the information she needed. So she don't need to well, check yeah. it again. <laughs> uh, we go back to the Devil's Tree where Alison Page, Courtney and Hillary, um, who has a CGI transformation from wolf to human... Um, welcome the fifth person to their gang. It's them. They're in the cult. Surprise. Yes. One of them's naked for some reason. Yeah. You get some butt cheeks. Well, she was a wolf. I mean, wolves don't wear clothes. But why does she have to be a wolf? I don't, I don't, I'm not understanding this part of it where someone has to be a wolf or a raven or this, that and the other. Like, did, I suppose it's kill people but who is she killed as a wolf why is she randomly as a wolf she's not actually killing anyone it's because it's made in the year 2000 and more is more and if you can turn into a wolf that can kill people why are you turning into a raven to give someone a heart attack (laughs) it's true in a convertible (laughs) everyone knows that doesn't happen to 20 year olds it doesn't um beth goes to the library and stares at a picture of five girls nick shows up and explains it's the secret society 
a, sori- a society that <laughs> five is Five Girls st- is the healthier version of Five Guys. Yeah. <laughs> a society that's still rumoured to be going until this day. And for some reason, he's an absolute expert on these girls. He doesn't even have to look at any notes. He knows this off by heart. He mm. says, this brunette, she made a mint in the stock market. I love mint. Maybe the most niche reference oh, that ever everyone's seen podcast. the S Club 7 interview. Um, and the blonde in the middle, she became a major newspaper. Oh, no, hang on. She made, the brunette made a mint in the stock market. And the blonde in the middle, she became a major newspaper publisher. And this one is a real... <laughs> this one is a real real estate tycoon. This one here, she was widowed three times, each to a multi-millionaire. And this is Jocelyn Hartnett, one of the first female senators, Republican, California. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he, that's the only one whose name he knows, but he yet he knows all these other details though about them. I I think it's absolutely no coincidence whatsoever that he felt the need to explain she was Republican, yeah. and apparently, obviously, had a deal with the devil mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to become yeah. a senator. I did that did make me laugh out loud. Like props to you, screenwriter, for that one. Um, Beth asks how he knows all this. What we're also, all thinking. The idea is that they have a pact with Satan and that one of the women, this is very condescending, is that her success came from being widowed three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why couldn't she just win the lottery? Yeah. Why did she have to be widowed three <laughs> times? Like, that's a successful woman. She married rich. Three times, and they all died on her, and now she's mega rich. <laughs> like that's really bad. Well, is that what we, is that aspirational for women? Yeah, in the early two thousands, apparently. <laughs> and this is written by a woman as well, by the way. Partly, Beth asks how he knows all of this um, because the audience needs to know, and he reveals they he's have a right to know. And, and the best part is, he's like. Done my research. Okay, great. Why? Why have you done your research? And literally later on, he's asked us again. He's like, "Well, um, I just I wanted to do my research." Like, okay, you have no reason to know all of this. Red herrings. Red herrings. And the he said the weirdest rumor of all is that the five are Satan worshippers, and that explains the senator's success. It does. That's the weirdest. That's the weirdest rumor of all. It does. That is absolutely a read. It is. Uh, Mark I, I deserve two. Mark walks in on Beth making a light bulb smash of her mind. She does. For some reason. And he's like, oh, you're a real Uncle Fester. It's Carrie. And then he says to her, I just can't believe how strong you're getting. Stronger than they think. And he's like, oh, what? What? And she's like, oh. wait, who? Who are you talking about? Oh, I'm, I'm no one. I was just uh, saying that you're, uh, well, stronger. Um, it's like, okay, really? Please try. It was a homage to uh, Kate Jackson in the original. <laughs> yeah, I the fuck off. <laughs> Mark then leaves and unsurprisingly meets up with Paige by the devil's tree. <gasps> oh, he's in on it. But she uses super speed and murders him by throwing him into a tree. Yes. Uh, she says, remember the rules, cowboy. Don't get too close. 
And I was like, uh, I think he's got as close as he can get. <laughs> I don't think he can get any closer than what he's already got. Yeah, that's why he's murdered. <laughs> and then he's murdered. Um, I really appreciated the shirt flying open as he flew through the air. <laughs> yes. And obviously it's to set up something that happens uh-huh. later on. But I didn't think, I was like, what was the point of that? Um, Hillary tells Beth that Mark has gone home, so she calls him, and one of the girls answers with Mark's voice and tells her he's gone home. <laughs> I love how it's like one of the girls. <laughs> yeah, like, the three blonde ones look the exact they same. Do. To be they do. It's a little confusing, not gonna lie. Uh, Beth sits alone and lights a CGI candle with her mind, making the flame change size. That's nice. Look at Absolutely the effects no we can do. Nick tries setting up a romantic evening in his class with Beth, uh, but she's not having it. And she bumps into Alison in a sleigh red dress on her way out. She's serving. And uh, she's like, oh, uh, I saw Mark going into the woods with another girl. And uh, Alison then confronts Nick about his meeting with Beth and why he's researching the five. And Alison's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Um, he tells her she should start dating guys her own age and she decides she's cooler than the red dress and she'd rather catch a guy on her own and she takes it off turns into a wolf and kills him yeah another red herring gone yeah Beth finds Mark dead and still next to the tree with 666 carved into his <laughs> chest also he died in daylight it it's is. night time now they've left that corpse by the fucking tree all day yeah no, no one found, found him no one's found him. She goes to the student union building. Why? Why does she go to... Instead of, like, going to the police, like, oh, my God, someone's been murdered. She goes to the student union building where Alison and the girls reveal they know Beth's real name and who she is. She's not surprised at all by any of this, by the way. She's not. No. No. The dean shows up and uh, reveals she's also in the court. And she tells Beth the master has been waiting for her since she was born. Okay, so I've got a few questions here mm-hmm. that you're probably not going to be able to answer. Number one, is the Dean meant to be a previous generation's five? And that's how one of the five in a previous generation. And that's why she's Dean of the school. Maybe. Number two, if they're only the four, mm-hmm. why do they keep calling themselves the five? <laughs> It should be the four because they want um, Shannon Doherty to join. Yeah. And then they become the five. Mm-hmm. So it's just the four. Yeah. So the only reason they kept referring to themselves as the five. Yeah. Is because the goth girls needed to be red herrings. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So I know. Um, if it is the case that she's from a previous generation, then they could have written as a sequel rather than a remake. That's true. Oh, yeah. Because she could have been. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Um, the Dean reveals they had Beth's family killed to bring her to them. Again, she's not bothered by this whatsoever. I mean, you'd be pretty fucking fuming, surely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Beth's parents, Jenny and Mark, all show up and then disappear shortly after. Yeah. Uh, the five girls and the Dean all change into big camp robes and they begin Beth's induction to the five. And she plays along for a bit. But then she makes a chandelier explode and electrocute all the girls before setting them on fire. 
and then electrocuting and killing the dean. Yeah, um, literally, she's just like, no, thank you. I'm choose my own <laughs> destiny. And the lightning starts and the fire starts. Is that, oh, was it that easy? Yeah. Um, my question is, why did they go to all of this? All of this effort? All of this bullshit? Pretending like they thought she was Karen Oxford? All that. And it just ends up like that anyway. It's not uh -huh. like there's a specific time and place where this has to happen. Why didn't they just get this over and done with from the beginning? Yeah. Why actually piss her off uh -huh. like that? Because of yeah, course she's going to say no. It's so unnecessary. I mean, even the original kind of explains it a little better. I mean, at least Kate Jackson didn't try and not look suspicious. Yeah, it was true. right in front of her the whole time. Yeah. Um, but some of the things they do is explain a little better. Like in this one, it's just like, okay, everything you're saying is so unnecessary. But in the original, Elizabeth... Uh, pretending to be someone else and in, in you know enrolling in the school wasn't part of the plan. No. Whereas in this case, the plan was that um, Beth was always going to be the chosen one. Mm -hmm. That's why she was born. But it just so happened that her sister enrolled in the college and not her. Yeah. So then they had to kill her sister to get her to go to the college. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's rather far-fetched. It is. Yeah. Um, we flash forward in time a little bit. <laughs> yes. We don't know how much time, but a little bit. Beth's back at, at home. At least nine months. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that. At least nine months. <laughs> Beth is back at home. And she's now had a baby called Jenny. With Reuben. Yeah, remember, she had a boyfriend. And then she went off as uh, Karen Oxford. And thought because she had a new identity, she could just sleep with a new guy. <laughs> Just cheat on him. Does that count as cheating if you pretended to be someone else? Well, I mean, apparently not for her. Not for old Karen Oxford. I, I don't know why she didn't call the baby Karen. <laughs> yeah. We've got a journey after her sister. Yeah, but Karen Oxford reminder of her fond memories. Um, she gets a phone call from Reuben whilst a group of ravens with red eyes gather in her garden and stare at her. And that's the end of the film. That is the end of the film. Um, You said... What did you say it was trying to be? The craft? Yeah. I 100% feel like it's... From my limited viewing slash knowledge, um, correct me, anyone listening, if I'm wrong, but it just felt like an extended episode of Charmed, mm -hmm. which is reasonable to assume because same producer, Aaron Spelling, yeah. Shannon Doherty was in Charmed at the time. So I'm assuming, you know, Charmed was on hiatus, so they had this film to keep people a bit interested in it, you know, because I think it was two seasons in where this came out. Mm -hmm. So I th I feel like it was just going for an extended episode yeah, of Charm. That definitely makes sense. Um, and it was fine. Yeah, it, it was fine. I know we just read it to filth, but it's more fun when you're watching it. Um, yes. I mean, I kind of found nostalgic for it, even though I didn't watch it when I was younger. It's one of those films like it's got all those early two thousand sensibilities about it. To it's like it matched up with everything that we'd have watched back then. Oh yeah, absolutely. If I had seen this when I it aired or just a little bit after I I would have loved it yeah. and it would have definitely been in sort of my nostalgia list yeah. of films and 
you know, I agree when you say it did feel quite nostalgic, mm -hmm. despite this being the first time we'd watched it. Well, let's find out who's going to win when we get to the awards section of the episode. Starting with cinematography, scares, fashion, and soundtrack. Because the kills... Um, no, we're not wasting our time. Neither would win. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, Scares is barely in there. Yeah. Uh, 1973 has that wonderful, creepy 70s charm to it. It's uh, The cinematography is great. The soundtrack is so over the top um, for what it is. I mean, there's some scenes where very little is going on and the soundtrack's like, Dah! It's true, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like the soundtrack in, in that sense. It was a little, it didn't quite match what was on screen, but no. I did appreciate it. Um, I, both films are TV movies. Yeah. Both films look I, like TV the movies. The 70s one kind of had a little more grittiness to it. Like, it it looked like a 70s horror film still. It, yeah. It, it kind of looked like you'd see the trailer on like a, a, a trailer show, like the AGFA. That's um, true. Know. Um... um just just to sort of say, we watched both of these films via YouTube. Mm. Um, neither is 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray. So they were both kind of a little crappy quality. Yeah. So in terms of the cinematography, it obviously wasn't 100% what the filmmakers intended. Because yeah. of the quality of how we'd watched it. But, you know, I do think the 70s one... I, I like that aesthetic. I, I, I did. But then I also really like the 2000s aesthetic. Mm. Again, it's very nostalgic. Well, both of these films are far too camp to be scary. Um, So, I mean, I guess it gets a tie for scares. <laughs> Black there off. Um, I suppose if we were to mention a kill... Mm -hmm. My favourite kill would be the friend in the cemetery, <laughs> just for camp value. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not really yeah. any kills. There's not again, yeah, like you said, there's not really any scares. Fashion, fashion. Now, this entirely depends on what decade you prefer for fashion, because in the seventies, one people look like they've been to a vintage clothes store in twenty twenty three. Um, this is what people dress like now. <laughs> they, if you go to the Northern Quarter in Manchester, absolutely, uh, they were on their way to see Haim at Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> I apart they... from Elizabeth, who had the short cropped hair. Yeah. everyone else had lovely uh -huh. long yeah. Michelle Phillips, you know, um, straightened, flowy locks. Yeah. Um, everyone looked amazing. Oh, and did. in the 2001, it's that high camp, early 2000s fashion. You've just been to a new metal gig. Uh, you're going to Blue Banana with your pocket money. And you brought a new goth outfit. Yeah, for one end. For and one then end. the other end of and the, the spectrum. And the others are like Tory Spelling, um, Clueless. Yeah. The craft, you know. Long skirt, big chunky shoe. Uh, a cute top, yeah. Uh, maybe even a crop top or something that really shows the shoulders off. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised there weren't any sort of um, pop stars. What 
angsty female pop stars. Angsty female pop stars. They're yeah. all dressed like them. Yeah, it's true. But I'm surprised there weren't any like uh, what what were they called? Like the bands, um, like the, the flower bracelet thing. Oh God, <laughs> from the uh, late nineties. They all should have been carrying Furbies. They should have been. <laughs> um, I mean, the cinematography and soundtrack for the two thousand film. It just feels like a Disney Channel original movie, which isn't necessarily a, a complaint, but the 70s cinematography and soundtrack wins me over a little more. It just gives that more of a feeling of a horror film. That's true. That is true. Um, um, so, yeah, I'd give it to that. I mean, for scares, like I said, it's a tie. Um, fashion, phew, I'm going to give it to the 70s, I think. I'm going to give it to 2000. Okay. Yeah. Um, soundtrack, I love Rockefeller Skank. I yeah. do love that song. Um, and it's probably the only part of the soundtrack from 2000 I remember, though. So I'd have to go with the 70s for that one. Okay, uh, so bring it as on to... Oh, wait, who did you give cinematography to? Uh, 70s. Um, so that brings us to the characters... And we have Elizabeth and Beth, played in 1973 by Pamela Franklin, and 2000 by Shannon Doherty. This is a difficult one, I think, because I think both actresses do a good job. They do. For I me, mean, the, the character's not huge. No, I mean, for me, Shannon Doherty was a little lifeless in some scenes. A I mean, smidge, maybe. <laughs> Pamela Franklin, she was determined, she was camp, she was over the top, she was there to solve a mystery... Bitch did what she needed to do, and I was living for it. Yeah, that that is very true. Shannon Doherty did kind of feel like she was contractually obligated yeah. to do the film. And with all due respect, she did look a, maybe a bit too old for the role. Uh-huh. Whereas I actually think Pamela Franklin looked the age she was meant to be, yeah. <laughs> to be able to go to college. Um... Yeah, and it, both roles are pretty much the same. Yeah. Really, maybe 2000 was fleshed out a little more mm-hmm. with the backstory. Um, but I do think that the character was a bit... Um, I don't know. I'm, interesting's not really the word I'm looking for in either case. No. <laughs> Bit more gutsy in the first film, yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I'm going to Pamela Franklin. I think so, and I I, I appreciated her performance. Uh, next up, we have Debbie and Lisa, the the one girl that you think might be the friend that she's going to stick with and solve the mystery with, but there's dying early on. You agree? I do. Yes. Nineteen seventy three. Cheryl. Oh, sorry. Uh, Jamie Smith Jackson. <laughs> And in 2000, Victoria Sanchez. Um, I mean, Jamie Smith-Jackson, that freakout scene was something. It was. Um, yeah. High camp. Yeah, it was definitely high camp. Uh, Victoria Sanchez. Decent, decent goth. Yeah. She didn't do much. No. I mean, it's at least it's a sort of subculture on film you know every i think if anything with the original all the girls kind of felt the same yeah at least uh, with the 2000 it was something a little different uh-huh. 
it was a, a subculture, it was a different kind of character, but then also she must have had like what four minutes of screen time. And yeah, I've, three lines. I feel like even though the character wasn't memorable, the performance is memorable. Yeah, in the seventies one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's in the seventies. I mean, that that was more memorable because the meltdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not for the right reasons, but no. I'm gonna give <laughs> this it. Is what we appreciate on this podcast. I'm gonna give it to the original just for meltdown alone. I agree. That's true. Yes. Uh, we have Roberta and Allison in 1973, played by Kate Jackson, and in 2000 by Julie Benz. I mean, Kate Jackson wasn't good, was she? <laughs> She was dead behind the eyes <laughs> a lot. Um, I think she was maybe also contractually obligated yeah. to be there. Yeah. <laughs> or Margot Kidder wasn't available. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm not not a fan of that performance. No. Julie Benz, I mean, she's all right. Uh, she committed. Um, I liked how sort of... American schoolgirl she sat I don't know if that's her actual voice mm-hmm. but it kind of it, it's almost Jennifer Tillyish her voice yeah. and I really appreciated that and I know it's not really much to do with the uh, performance but I, uh, I I I liked her and I, I liked her in Buffy as well so. yeah I appreciated the uh, red dress scene as well so that is very true she does it's probably equal screen time actually but actually more memorable the yeah. character herself. So yeah. Yeah, I'll say Julie Benz. Yeah. When you go. Yeah, she's she's my winner. Uh Headmistress. Nineteen seventy three, Joe Van Fleet, and again, Kate Jackson in two thousand. Um Kate Jackson, I don't know if she's winning any awards today because Joe Van Fleet, she really thought she was getting an Oscar for this. She was acting. She was like, I was brought up in the studio yeah. system. <laughs> I'm going to show you a fucking performance. These, uh-huh. these young girls, they do not know what a performance is. Yeah. You know, give me a little bit of screen time and I'm going to fucking chew the scenery. Yeah. And she did. She, she did and her absolute her hair best. out of place. That yeah. wig was fully intact. Oh, the wig alone, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I, Kate Jackson in 2000, she's a little camp. Um... But again, she doesn't doesn't do anything. She doesn't do anything, and then at the end, which was her big scene, again, dead behind the eyes. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kate Jackson. I do apologise. Beautiful lady, loved your uh, Laurie Metcalf impression <laughs> in the remake, but Joe Van Fleet gets it for me. Yeah. And finally, we have Professor Delacroix, um, who is Lloyd Buckner in 1973. Um, Richard Joseph Paul in 2000. I mean, Richard Joseph Paul is just acting like a man in Sex and the City. He is, yes. Uh, whereas Lloyd Buckner, again, he came to act and he brought Ham with him. Oh. If Joe Van Fleet was chewing the scenery, he was providing um, supper Yeah. with that ham. Yeah. He was. <laughs> I don't know what I was going for then, but you got what I meant. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, it has to go to the original. I it mean, it's so much more memorable. It, it, was. it was. Um, but I mean, special shout out to Richard Joseph Paul's little uh, exposition monologue that he just knew off by heart. Yeah, you and uh, and his choice of gym outfit. Yeah, as well. well, apparently. Uh, now to our final awards, biggest queen. I give it to Elizabeth in the original. Yeah, 
Elizabeth in the original, I completely agree. Not conforming to the long hair rules and no. setting bitches on fire the old-fashioned way. Yeah. With a lamp. Just <laughs> checking it out. I'm like, take that, you bastards. Uh, biggest gasp. I I give it to uh, the hand with the razor appearing in the investigation scene because I was so bored up until that point that something happening just <laughs> made me gasp. Yeah. Um... I'm going to give it to Martha's hanging corpse in the original. So shocking that YouTube had to censor it. Yeah. Or can I just give a little special mention uh-huh. to um, <laughs> the surprise when I realised that Shannon Doherty's ap- <laughs> ap- room was on the ground floor. Because <laughs> that was actually genuinely sort of like, oh, <laughs> outside the window. Um, I wasn't sure if that counted, but well, it, did, it did catch me off guard. Y- yeah, you can, you can give it a tie, it's fine. <laughs> um, best dialogue, is, this was difficult, but it has to go to first Jenny's suicide and now Melanie dies of a heart attack. How many 20-year-olds do that in the remake? I also give it to the remake, but I chose, that's Lisa Bagley, but everyone calls her <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Bitch. <laughs> Shout out to you, Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, finally, that's camp. I give it to Martha taking the time to light up a cig at a phone booth while she's being chased in the original. <laughs> I just put Joe Van Fleet. Yeah. Uh, and with 12 points, a whopping 12 points, wow. the original is the winner. With the remake, you went behind a fair bit back with seven points. Hmm. Which is strange because it's time for ratings and spoiler alert, they both got the same from yes. me. I give 1973 six cigarette breaks during a chase out of ten. <laughs> I gave the original six indestructible wigs out of ten. And I gave the remake six slow-mo made-for-TV dick appointments out of ten. <laughs> and I gave the remake six code brown cemetery waddles out of ten. <laughs> Uh, so with that being said, I mean, they're both fine, and realistically, it's a tie for me. But I mean, technically, the original is the winner. The points speak for themselves. But I mean, aside from the episode in general, it's, they're both on par for me. I think they're fine. I would rec if you if you enjoy campy made for TV horror films. And you're looking for something to watch. I would recommend both. Yeah, and they're both available on YouTube. And it's pretty much the only place where they are available. Uh, I think they're available on DVD. I think the original is available on DVD in America. If you're in America, yeah. I think it's got a smidge of a cult following. Yeah, I I keep forgetting most of our listeners are in America. Um, So yeah, you probably can get it on DVD. But in the UK, it's just YouTube. Just YouTube. And, And that's fine. I maybe wouldn't recommend spending too much money on either. But if, if you can get it for free, then go for it, girlies. If you enjoyed the original, I recommend checking out the original Suspiria. And if you enjoyed the remake, I recommend checking out the Initiation of Sarah remake. I recommend the Initiation of Sarah for both. Um, if you enjoyed the original, watch the original Initiation of Sarah. If you like the remake, watch the remake of the Initiation of Sarah. Yeah, I th- They both give off very similar energy... Made for TV, just that one deals with telekinesis. So, that brings us to our best and worst new releases of the month. It's been a 
good one, Gary. It has, it has been a good one. It has been a good one. Um, for best new release of the month, it's currently. I don't know whether this will change by the end of the year, but mm. currently, my best film of the year it is Rye Lane. I completely agree. Yeah, loved I, it. There's been a lot of good films this year so far, and a lot of serious, deep themes in films. Uh, but sometimes all you need is just a perfectly made rom-com that makes you feel good. And that's exactly what this film does. I feel like it's a milestone for rom-coms. Uh, it's just perfectly made, expertly directed, es- expertly acted. Amazing soundtrack. It just does everything it needs to do. It's fantastic. Very British. Very London. Yeah. yeah. Um, really shines a light on a part of London culture that you don't see all the time in yeah. film and it's just a lovely story at the heart I really liked the performances and was really invested in the characters mm-hmm. it's romantic it's extremely funny perfect romantic comedy really fucking loved watching that film it was yeah. a joy to watch from start yeah. to end and when I say it's very British, very London, I, I think it's accessible for everyone. Uh-huh. But there's a certain part where you're like, I recognise this. Yeah. We're not from London, but I recognise this place. I recognise these mm-hmm. people. And I loved seeing it yeah. in a film with a wide release. Mm-hmm. And it looked beautiful. It really made uh-huh. London shine. And I yeah loved it, loved it, loved it. And for our worst new release of the month, again, it's probably the same. Likely. It is The Pope's Exorcist. Yes. I mean, when you've got a film with Russell Crowe riding around Rome on a Vespa, shouting cuckoo at people whilst playing an exorcist and being drunk on whiskey, how can you be so fucking boring? Oh my God, it was dull. So generic as well. So I'd felt like I'd seen everything before, apart from the Vespa cuckooing, which yeah. it doesn't take up <laughs> much of the film. No. I thought it was so generic, tedious. I was expecting trash to piece, and it was nothing of the sort. It was absolutely dire. It really, I, uh-huh. I it felt like a chore to watch. Really didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, it wasn't uh, entertaining at all. And it sets up 199 sequels. I shit you not. <laughs> Actually sets up 199 sequels. And one of them is being made. So the audacity of that director. <laughs> Can you imagine? Honourable mentions. And uh, this isn't just new releases. This is just everything we've watched. But there are a few new releases in here. Including the BFI Flare films. But if you want to hear us talk about them, go listen to our episode. Yes. We'll talk about them. Evil Dead Rise, again, cemented the franchise as the franchise that never fails, and another fantastic sequel. And I think for Best of the Month, that came a very close second yes, for you. Yes, it was definitely. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. It was um, everything I wanted from an Evil Dead film. Um, and, you know, if we get more sequels like this, I think the franchise is in very good hands. Yeah, Re- really, it is. Really enjoyed it. Very fun film. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, the 90s and the animated one, because I think the 90s deserves a shout out, because I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be, but it would make a good podcast episode. Yes. Um, I remember Super Mario 
Brothers, and I'm a big Super Mario fan, and it's not a Super Mario Brothers film. No, it's not. It's not. But it is a good film. Well, it's a decent film. Yeah. Um, and the animated one, anyone who went and seen that and gave it a bad review, you probably shouldn't have gone to see it, because I don't see... I don't see what the problem could be. It is literally a film with Super Mario Brothers references and a small storyline... And it's just everything it needs to be. It's fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, is it groundbreaking? No. Did I have a fun time? Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes it's fun just to have a and fun I, film. You know, if you love Super Mario Brothers, you're going to love the film. Yeah. Not every film yeah. is made for everybody. Although, it's the most successful animated film ever at the box office. It's doing well, yeah. You know, so, you know, props to you. Hollywood Vice Squad. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was fun. I was a little disappointed um, that Carrie Fisher wasn't a prostitute in it. Yeah. She was an undercover cop. I would have liked to have seen a little more. Uh, Hollywood Vice Squad feels like it's the film that Fear City uh, wishes it was. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, Southland Tales. You love it or you hate it. I loved it. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. It was... Um, yeah, got a little lost up its own it's, ass. It's very weird. I, it's very weird. <laughs> I did appreciate it, actually. Uh, Peyton Place. Oh, you know I love a melodrama. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the best. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Soap opera realness. I Want to Hold Your Hand, Robert Zemeckis' directorial debut, which was so much fun with Nancy Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not recommended for... People wearing headphones, though. No. Not screaming yeah. in that film. But I, I enjoyed it. It was fun, mm -hmm. you know. Identikit, weird, surreal, Elizabeth Taylor art house film. Oh. Like the kind of film that I didn't realise existed. Yeah. Um, And when I found out it did, I had to watch it. And I was not disappointed. Um, No idea what was going on. No. But in the best way yeah. possible. Liz Taylor slays, mm -hmm. and she she's one of my favorite actresses, and I, I loved it. I loved it. If if you have in any way similar taste to me, I'd say please go out and find it yeah. and watch it. Renfield was good. I'm pleased to report. Yeah, it was all right. It was good. It's fun again. Yeah. I, I never feel like it's just literally just a fun time. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Uh, ninety minutes fun time. <laughs> Nicolas Cage being all campus Dracula, you know. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Moonchild. Yeah. Props to them for <laughs> creating something so ambitious on a micro budget. That's... I do. Yeah, we we've gone on a bit of a thing recently, and it's a kind of genre I didn't really know existed. Um, the shot on video, homemadey style, of, yeah, uh, horror film. And, uh, yeah, I've liked a lot of them, actually. Mm. And, you know, they are what they are. And if they're a fun time and they don't last two or three hours, uh -huh. then it's good. Props to you. Uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Yes. Yes. I really liked that one. Um, Catherine Hepburn, fantastic. Sidney Poitier, mm -hmm. Spencer Tracy... Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Missing, a very loose sequel to Searching, which was intense. 
Yeah, like, I didn't think I was going to be as invested as I was, but I was on the edge of my seat. And I'm not the kind of person who is always on the edge of their seat. Yeah. So, really well done. And I can say the exact same about how to blow up a pipeline. Completely agree. Exactly. And we watched them as a double bill. Yeah. You know, I was sweating by the end of that double bill. Bloody hell. And that's it. If uh, you want to tell us your favourites of the month or your least favourites or you, for some reason you want to talk about Satan's School for Girls, we're Horror Court Trash Ever on Facebook and Instagram and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm DeadLightGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker 823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And we're also Gasp Horror Fest across all social media. We're drawing closer and tickets are still available. So go check it out and come along and say hello. Yeah, come see us in person. Um, if you're That's brave, your biggest selling point. If you're brave <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, give us a rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Like and follow on everything else. If you don't and you come to Gasp, then... We'll still say hello and be very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> but please, be nice and give us a five-star rating. Yeah. Uh, next month for the original versus remake, we will be discussing the classic that is The Omen alongside its remake with Mia Farrow giving that film a way better performance than it deserves. <laughs> Julia Stiles giving the she film does, a better She does, she does. Well, I haven't seen it since um, the day yeah, it came I'm out. <laughs> interested to see how this holds up. Yeah. I just remember it being the exact same as the original. Um, I'm not gonna lie, Mia Farrow is the only reason I chose to do it for an episode because I feel like there's a good conversation to be had there. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll soon find out. Yes. And on Tuesday, we'll be back with Starship Troopers. Yes, Paul Verhoeven classic. Yes. So we'll be back same time, same place on Tuesday. Bye.